Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 this What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 14 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I'm sitting here in Land of the Arches campground in lovely Red River Gorge, um, where temps have just recently dropped below the 80s, which, thank goodness for that, um, we can actually get some real rock climbing in. Um, first of all, before I go anywhere else, I just want to say shout out to all of our patrons. Uh, some of you guys have really stepped up and come through for us. And what that means is that these guys are just basically you know, donating a monthly sum to the podcast. And you know, they just are helping us keep this thing commercial and sponsor free which is how we want it to be, except for our own commercials. And um, you can do that at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast if you're interested. And if you're not, there's some other ways that you can help as well. We don't expect everybody to shell out money. So um, I did make a plea on our Facebook page, and a lot of you shared that, and a lot of you uh, rated and reviewed us on iTunes, which I'm super stoked about. And I'd love for you guys who don't follow us on the social medias, because that's not for everybody, I'd love for you guys to go check out iTunes as well and rate us and review us. Uh, Apparently, it really helps. I don't know how it really helps, but the podcast powers that be tell us that it does. So if you could go on there, rate us and review us, that would be helpful. And if you do, in return, because, you know, if you guys do something for me, I want to do something in return for you. I will put out four extra episodes over the next two months um, because I've got like 24 or 26 episodes recorded and ready to go. And at this current pace, that could take us a year to get them all out, two years. Um, So, you know, I'd like to get these things out there into the world. They're great conversations and you guys need to hear it. So go rate us, review us. And I will put out some extra episodes for you in the very near future. So uh, today's guest, Charlie Manganello. Uh, we talked with Charlie on episode eight, the deadlifting episode. Uh, Charlie works with Steve Bechtel over at Climb Strong, and he also coaches at Elemental Performance and Fitness in Lander, Wyoming. And I really, you know, a lot like Steve, I appreciate Charlie's sort of no nonsense, very common sense. Uh, approach to strength training and training for sports. And Charlie is also a very humble um, multi-sport athlete. He, he goes pretty hard at some other sports. And that's what I wanted to sit down and talk to Charlie about is how you can climb well, train for climbing, and also perform well in these other sports. So uh, let's get on with it. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. You know, your first step off a peak is, is down. It's never up. Um, and you can either choose to fall and tumble off that peak um, by 
beating your head against the wall and trying to climb harder, or you can intentionally walk off the top of that peak, give yourself a little pat on the back, and then put your head down and it's into the next cycle. Why don't we... Why don't we just start with you telling me, you're going to have to toot your own horn a little bit here. You don't seem like the guy who does that a lot, but I don't like to. I'm going to force you here. Um, talk to me about the sports you're involved in and kind of what level you're at with them. Because I know you do some other things than climbing and you do them well. So toot your own horn a little bit here. Oh, man. Oh, man, everyone's going to make fun of me. All right, here we go. Uh, my name's Charlie. Only in Wyoming are they going <laughs> to okay, make fun of you. That's true. And they're not going to listen to that here, <laughs> this here. So. Uh, my name's Charlie Manganello. Uh, the sports I'm primarily involved with, uh, say, in the last five years would be climbing, um, mixed between trad, alpine climbing, and sport climbing, and bouldering, I guess. Skiing, uh, lots of backcountry skiing, and kind of mountain running or guess they call it ultra marathoning now um no races with that i think just i think there's a difference between mountain running and ultra marathoning i'm just gonna go ahead and say that my friend I, always teases me he's he says uh, anything over whatever the 26.1 for marathons is he's considers an ultra um anything over about that. 45 feet i consider too far so that's true um the levels uh i man trad climbing scares the crap out of me um but i do like it and uh i like to do the the five eight five nine fun stuff primarily in the wind river range red rocks stuff like that um the climbing the bouldering is something that i um started off doing and took pretty seriously and I've gotten up into the V9 range. I've been super close on some 10s. I'm not quite there. It's definitely a, a goal that's mm-hmm. uh, in my mind and, and hope to get there soon. And then the sport climbing in this past year is something I've really focused on with Climbstrong and, and Steve at the gym at Elemental Performance and Fitness here in yep. Lander. Um, and it's been super humbling. Um, you know, people are like, man, you're such a strong boulder. You're going to crush 13s. Um, and I think it's a little bit of a mental thing for me just – um, getting past the, like, I can do this, not like right. the fear of falling or anything, but yep. it is crazy how you can really just tell yourself that you're not able to climb a certain yeah. grade. It's pretty easy um, to defeat yourself before you sh- leave the ground. Yeah. And just shut down. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been psyched. It's been really fun. Uh, I really almost kind of felt like I've learned how to climb again. Um, cool. By doing more sport climbing and like, wow, it really makes a difference if your foot stays on or not. And bouldering, you can kind of expend that energy in it doesn't really always matter because it's only eight moves anyways yeah. um and you can be cool and powerful and get the photo yeah for the uh the big leg swing but yeah so 12c is my hardest red point to date which is uh really cool i'd like to get to 13a 13b i've got i've got some projects that um i think will go but mm-hmm. we'll take more time and then the skiing um i grew up alpine racing new englander new england pack powder so i learned how to ski and really only ski on ice a couple powder days here and there (laughs) absolutely horrifying yeah i mean uh (laughs) yeah i i like to think it it built some character for me when i was young i mean i just remember being at wildcat or atatash up there in in the mount washington valley like 20 30 below and skimpy ass gs suit and uh 
and I was also super small. I was, I, I technically was a pretty good skier, but uh, I was racing against like kids that were like 160, 180. And uh, I'm your typical climber build. Uh, I was super small and skinny. And so I was just a fart in the wind really yeah, <laughs> on, the, yeah. on the hill compared to those dudes. But uh, it has been fun to come out here to Wyoming. I guess I've been here since 2011 and uh, get trained up on my level one and level two avalanche certifications and uh, get into backcountry skiing. And it's actually been super fun. It's been a way uh, to kind of mix the climbing and the skiing where there's some systems involved with ropes and um, rappels to get into some gnarly couars up in the Tetons yeah. or Togedy Pass is where um, lander folks usually ski. Uh, and it's been fun, actually. BJ's a really good skier, BJ Tilden. Yeah. Um, and I, I see the photos and I just choose to ignore them <laughs> because it makes no sense to me. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a whole other ballpark back there. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to ski the Grand uh, one of these days. Um, but yeah, I've, I've put myself in some no-fall zones on skis. Um, and it's been super fun. Now, Steve mentioned something to me about records on these things that you're looking toward um, on either skiing or running in the mountains or something to that effect. Um, um, he didn't give up many details, so that's why I'm yeah. making you give them up. Oh, man. Uh, you could have just prime out of me. I There's a ton of really good landers, uh, uh, runners here in Lander and runners in the Tetons. I kind of have my own like personal best. And I guess if you're really asking me to toot my own horn, I would say I'm above average. Um, I've kind of set some of my own personal goals with running. Uh, I was injured last season, so I wasn't climbing much, but um, running Wind River Peak, it's the southern, uh, the highest uh, peak in the southern winds. Uh, mm -hmm. It's up around just low 13,000 feet. It's like a 26-ish mile run. And I've done that in eight and a half hours. And I think the fastest known time is like seven and a half. Um, an hour is quite a long time, but it was cool to kind of train for that and, yeah. and do it. And then uh, another goal of mine last season was to do Gannett Peak in a day. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, uh, Wyoming's highest point, And that's also in the northern Wind River Range. And I was able to do that in just over 16 hours. Descent, and that's thirty, understand. and that's thirty-seven miles. But <laughs> it's super humbling because the record on that is like just over eight hours. Wow! I just wanted to finish it in twenty-four. Yeah. Um, but I think I could go faster on that. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of one of the reasons I want to talk about this stuff is not because I'm a runner, because uh, I ran cross country around my high school ages, but those days are long gone. Sure. You know, I, I don't even like to drive cross country now, but um, a lot of my clients do. They love to run and and a lot of climbers do. You know, it just it's a good activity if you're up in the mountains and mm -hmm. it seems like a good rest day thing. But it's really hard to keep it a rest day thing. You know, it's really easy to go hard. It's damn near impossible. <laughs> yeah. And and I I want to know what to talk to people about as far as how do you switch up from sport to sport or can you switch up from sport to sport effectively? Mm -hmm. um, do you have to just accept mediocrity in some of them or all of them? Oh man, that is a loaded question and that I'm sure it will take up most of our time. It's, it's, uh, it's one that we get asked a lot at the gym. Um, it's one that I struggle my, my, myself with and I see it um, all the time at the crag or or folks talking about wanting to combine the running and the uh, climbing. And 
it's really hard for people to understand or, or, or grasp the two different concepts. Um, you know, Steve said uh, in that one podcast, like, you know, runners should climb as much as um, they, you know, or, uh, excuse me, uh, runners should climb as much as climbers run and vice versa. Um, and there's nothing wrong with running. Like, it's totally cool. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people like it. But if we're talking purely about being a better climber and using all your focus and your energy and your adaptation potential, like running is taking something away. Not that you can't do it on a rest day or um, kind of have these uh, seasons where maybe you run a little bit more because it's super hot and lander in July like it is right mm -hmm. now. Um, and you can kind of focus a little bit more on running. Um, but you really have to own the decision and not justify like, oh... I'm just going to run a little bit and, right. and it's just going to, it's just going <clears> to <throat> blow up eventually in your face. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing is own the decision, mm -hmm. like make your decision. And sometimes that decision is going to be, I want to be a good climber. I want to be a good runner and I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit on either end to be good at both of them. So, you know, and I think that's something that you're not necessarily struggling with, but that you're trying to balance. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just interested in digging into how do you balance that? Like, uh, yeah, how do you balance it? Like, do, yeah. you, do you run while you're climbing mm -hmm. training or while you're climbing performing? Or do you quit entirely the running while you're training for climbing? How does it work for you? Yeah, I've, I guess I've tried two, two ways. Uh, and it would kind of, I guess, be examples from the last two summers. Um, I tried the, like, oh, I'm just going to try to be good at everything or, you know, try You're to be PR and everything. Yeah. yeah uh, at once. <clears throat> and uh, I could, it was funny. I, I was working, I wasn't at the gym full time and I could, I could tell Bechtel was like, yeah, we'll see how that goes for you. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't, it was, it was not me trying to be like, oh, I'll show him. I was just like, I, I really thought I could do it. Yeah. And uh, it just, it didn't happen. I mean, I just was okay at both things. Um, again, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, I hope folks, sure. I hope sure, folks sure. like understand that you can like be a runner and a climber. Yeah. Whatever and, you enjoy, that's what you should be doing. And there are so. some serious athletes out there. I know, I don't know this gentleman uh, in particular, but I know Steve knows someone who lives over in the Teton Valley and he's like top level runner. He's pretty high up there and he also climbs, you know, 13 plus, or I think even 14 minus. Um, and what Steve has said in other podcasts or what I've seen in my own kind of training and, and training other folks is he's making, or maybe he doesn't making a decision, but he is literally taking away from one right. of those. That's sports. what I was going to say. Yeah, Just beca because he's climbing harder than we are. Yeah. Doesn't mean he's climbing his best yeah, or exactly. running his best. Yeah. And that's the thing. Uh, people confuse their best with other people's yeah. best. Like, you know, people are like, um, I know people that do half marathons and climb for four five fourteen like that's just that's not you i mean right they're just a completely different totally animal, different, different mutant yeah. athlete yep. um but they are taking away from their own red points because of that sure um and you know a hybrid of kind of to your question is you can pick seasons and you can choose to kind of have a red point season maybe you have a strength season and maybe you have like I want to get out in the mountains and the Alpine, that small window, whether it be in the Western kind of uh, United States or wherever you live, um, where it's like the summer hot kind of non red point season. Yep. Um, and then kind of 
pick and choose or um, cycle through those maybe in uh, four month cycles. So it'd be, you know, four months, four months, four months, four months, four months, four months. Right. Um, and or, that's or what, whatever your yeah. local area dictates, mm-hmm. you know, I guess in that sense, when you're planning those seasons out, you kind of have to think about the weather in your area and plan your red point season for when the weather's good. Absolutely. You know, if you're, if you're a red river climber and you're planning to red point in July and August, you've fucked up. Yeah, you know, exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and that's what needs to happen when you're planning, um, any sort of training. Uh, it's the five years out or the three years out. Even <clears throat> you can't think about the strength training or the climbing training that you want to do like two months out, you, you, you've already missed the boat, like you're too mm-hmm. late. And so you have to look at a calendar. And if you're really serious about getting better at whatever sport, it doesn't have to be running. I know running is definitely the thing that seems to always come up in the climbing world. Uh, but you have to be like, okay, I'm go- I want a red point during the, during the fall. I mean, that's like where most people want a red sure. point. Yep. In the spring here, uh, it's nice and cool, or, or say the desert in the summer. Um, but you have to be able to pick that calendar apart and tell yourself like when you're going to shut the climbing down or when you're going to shut the running down yeah. or when you're going to shut the strength climbing down to then have a three, four month build into whatever um, season you're going into. And, and I've seen it with some pretty top level climbers and, and, and BJ's another example of it. I mean, this guy is one of the, the best sport climbers yep. around, right? Absolutely. And I saw two very distinct seasons from him two years ago. He, came off climbing super hard at Wolf Point. And then he just shut it down like sometime around December and then just focused on skiing. He wasn't necessarily training for skiing, but he just told himself, or at least as far as I could tell, and he could tell me I'm full of shit, but um, he just really stopped climbing and wanted to ski a bunch. He had some trips planned with some friends. He ended up, I think, skiing the Grand for the second time, which is like totally... yeah. N- no small feat. I mean, people dream of climbing or skiing the Grand. Um, and I think also in that same trip, he skied off a skillet or a glacier there, um, the handle off of Mount Moran. And then he had an awesome season. Like he basically, if you put it into climbing terms, climbed a couple five fourteens, 14s uh, and then March hit and he was back to climbing again. And, he, and people think that if you take that time off, you're going to start from like complete ground zero. Yeah, you're going to start um, weaker and the climbs are going to feel harder. Um, but you get that strength back super easily and then you can get right back into your groove and then you can maybe climb the next winter or, or choose to go skiing. Yep. And I think it, I think, you know, using that BJ, um, metaphor, using him as the example, um, I'm talking with him later this week about, about what I'm just about to say now. And I think this is part of why there are BJs out there who can, and, and you who can switch from sport to sport and do fairly well is because, you know, BJ may not necessarily train, so to speak, for any of the sports he's good at. But what he does when he goes out there is he's very, very mindful of what he's doing and he approaches it analytically and, and like he's practicing all the time. He, he notices small things that he can change to make himself better constantly. And, and I think that's really important when you're 
not just training for one sport or, or trying to excel in one sport, but especially when you're trying to excel in multiple sports at once, mm-hmm. is you can really cut down on the the physical toll that it's taking on you by being mentally aware and being mindful of what Absolutely. you're doing. So I think that's a super important thing that, that I, I'm sure that you do because you're a kettlebell guy and uh, you know, and a coach who's constantly noticing those things with other people. So I'm sure that you do it with yourself. Yep. And I know that BJ does it because I've been watching it day in and day out while we're up at the rodeo wave climbing mm-hmm. and I'm impressed by it every day. So I think that's super important. Yeah, and um, another example of this is uh, Steve and I both had to do a pretty rigorous rigorous strength training program for one of our um, strong first certifications. It's a level two. It's the next one up from that level one, if folks are familiar. But uh, one of the strength tests is having to press half your body weight. Uh, and as yeah. I remember Steve practicing for this last yeah, year. Yeah, and as a, as a climber <laughs> and also a little guy, I mean, I'm like 155 pounds and putting – you know, I had to, it was like weight classes. So I had to put 80 or 79 pounds over my head. Um, it was like seemingly impossible. I, we both didn't even press the weight until we got to the certification. Um, I went into it like, well, I hope, <laughs> I hope it goes. Yeah. I hope the, yeah. the group site kind of gets me to put this thing up overhead. Um, but I focused on it. I, I was committed. And you went in with something of an injury. Yeah. Uh, kind of leading up yep, to it. Right? Shoulder. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I kept doing the workouts. I kept, um, making up the focus. I was still climbing. I was bouldering a bunch. I was, um, doing, uh, these, uh, press workouts. Um, but my climbing suffered, but it wasn't a bad thing because when you do, or when you focus on something, say it's not climbing, if that's what we're talking about, if, 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 if you're listening to this and you're scared of letting go of the climbing training cycle, um, Focus on something, do it for six weeks, eight weeks, or mine was like you know four or five months. Um, I did it. I felt super good about it. It was you know that feeling you feel um, after red pointing something that you've tried fifty times. Um, and what's cool about that strength training is you're never far from it really ever again, unless you completely right. just let it go. Um, but Steve and I were just talking about it the other day. Um, I'm still pretty close to pressing the 79 pound kettlebell, the half pound uh, or half body weight press, which was completely impossible in the beginning. Um, but now I don't have to work as hard. I've already done all that hard work right. and I can go into it and maybe I'll do a couple press cycles and be able to get it for my recertification. And it's the same thing with climbing. You put the hard work in, you have a great red point season or maybe not even a great, maybe a mediocre red point season and you come off and you do some strength training or maybe you're into running and you want to I don't train for a tough mutter or something. I don't know. Um, But you're not going to lose what you think you're going to lose. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I see really good climbers. I mean, the average climber around Lander, I mean, climbs like 13 plus. But I've seen people come off injuries or just uh, their motivation wasn't very high or been, you know, out for a few months. And I still see them get on 12 pluses and they might have to fight for it. And yeah. and it comes they, back fast. Yeah, they might have that crazy forearm burn, but it just it comes back fast, and they do it. Yeah, and um, I've just and experienced that fine. myself. Yeah. You know, when I was here last year, I was, you know, just able to start doing you know inclined pushups and mm-hmm. you know doing extremely inclined rows, and so it was 
you know, it was scary because I'd just come off my hardest red point and and then all of a sudden I'm having surgery and they're telling me you're not going to be full strength again for 18 months, you know, and I'm like, I'm freaking out. Yeah, you're like, I'm not going to be able to climb 5'9 again. Right. But six months after surgery, I sent my hardest boulder problems. Yeah. You know, and now I'm, right now I'm feeling stronger than I ever have on the rodeo wave, which is a pretty burly little wall. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, so. It bouldering really. So, and, and I'm, and I'm a little over a year out from surgery. So, and that's doing nothing for months, you know, complete atrophy in my shoulder. If you're, if you're quitting climbing for a couple of months, but being physical in other ways, then you're not going to lose a ton, you know. And if you're climbing a little, like you said, you were still, you were still going climbing, you were still bouldering, mm-hmm. you were just focused on, mm-hmm. you know, on the overhead pressing. You're you're maintaining, yeah, you know, exactly. At the very least, exactly. So, and if you're taking that same practice approach that we just talked about, you're probably getting better. You may not be becoming a stronger climber necessarily mm-hmm. you're, you're still going to have to transfer this new strength that you've got from overhead pressing into your climbing but you're becoming better by taking a more practice oriented approach yeah absolutely and 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 i bechtel talked about it a little bit in that last deadlift podcast we did uh the strength training or the climbing training or the running training you do uh it's the whole investment strategy or money analogy that money that you put away from your two-week paycheck when you're 26 years old is going to be what you use when you're 50 years old, 60 years old. Um, It's the same thing thing with the training. Uh, You have to go into any of these cycles of this training thinking about the five-year goal, the five-year plan. Um, That stuff is, I feel like the strength training that I did literally this day last year is now like coming into play. For sure. Uh, and the strength training I did yesterday is what I'm gonna use a year from now. You have to yep. think of it in that long-term investment. It's not, you're not gonna make a quick buck on any of these workouts. It's all about stacking them um, in your favor um, throughout the season. And I get that question a lot. Um, you know, I see it in the gym. I see people get really strong and I hear um, folks in my class or people in the gym, like, wow, that person's really strong. Or how did you get to be that strong? And they must just be a freak uh, of nature. Right. And, and all those people do, I mean, I'm in the gym every single day. I know exactly what they do. They come in, they punch the clock and not that they're like being lazy or, um, not, uh, intentional with their workout, but they get in there for 50 minutes to an hour and a half and they do it. And they are there two, three times a week, every single week. And that's why they're so strong. And it's the same thing with climbing. Yeah, exactly. They're putting the work in. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're, let's say you're in the middle of a red point season and you're, you're climbing well. Mm -hmm. How do you know when to cut it off and start training for the next season or for the next sport? You know, maybe if the weather continues, do you just continue with climbing, even though you've got goals in the other sports or do you lay it out on the calendar and kind of let the calendar guide you? I mean, oh, the short answer is you don't know, but there, I think there are tricks or or ways to hold yourself accountable because that's really, really hard to do. And we see it in the gym, um, all the time, um, people will PR on a lift and they just immediately, they won't even take the gratification of like 
pulling their hardest weight off the ground. They just want to, okay, next week I'm going to try more. Next week right, I'm going to try more. Right. Um, so I think that's why having a calendar and uh, planning out what you want to do. I mean, be a real, be realistic, right? Like, you know, if you're a 12 plus climber and you're like, my goal is to climb 12A, then you, you, you haven't done your job right. uh, to, to push yourself. Uh, but yeah, if you're you, just looking for gratification yeah, you're like, I point. just want to yeah. feel that like nice warm hug. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you say you're climbing 12B, 12C and you're, you know, your goal should be, you know, or that's your hardest red point to date. Maybe your goal is 12D, 13A. You know, once you get a couple of those, or maybe even just one, you know, your first step off a peak is, is down. It's yep. never up. Yep. Um, and you can either choose to fall and tumble off that peak, um, by keep beating your head against the wall and trying to climb harder, or you can intentionally walk off the top of that peak, give yourself a little pat on the back and then put your head down and it's into the next cycle. Um, and is, you, you it, can extend it. I think if you, if you want to, I mean, it's, it's, right. it's, I think it's up to the individual and you have to kind of know how your body reacts to that stuff. But, uh, yeah, you, you can only do it so long and then you have to come down. Yep. And I think it takes season after season of doing this to know where the peak is. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're just starting training and you're a, you know, if you're a five ten climber and you just really started dedicating yourself to climbing and practicing and your first season, you don't necessarily want to stop at 10 B. You might be at the 11 C level yep. already, you know, it's, so it's hard to, hard to know when to stop at first. But I think once you've invested, you know, year after year into this thing, it gets easier to learn. Okay. I, I can feel like my body, I can feel that it's at its peak right now. It's about to start going downhill and then you can make those kind of decisions. Yep. I think it's tough early on just for the people out there listening Absolutely. who are just getting psyched on this stuff. It's tough to know, mm-hmm. you know. And and we all have experienced it when you first start climbing. I mean, those numbers jump up so quickly. Yeah. And <clears throat> you don't really have a peak. You just keep getting better cuz you're like, "Oh, right. I now I know what a heel hook is and yep. now I know what an undercling is and I can put my body in different positions to do different moves. Uh, but then once you start to get that plateau, maybe around, I feel like it's 11, I don't know, maybe 11 plus. You yeah, start I think, to I think there's a few of them right yeah. around, right around 12A and then probably right around 12 plus, 13 minus, yep. you know, it depends on the person, but yep. usually right around there. And then that's when the ex- more experienced climber and whether it's five years or 20 years, um, you have to, be psyched that you got your goal and then move on. But when you're just like climbing five tens, like just keep trying to push it and climb more. Um, I don't think uh, the super focused uh, calendar of of seasons or strength training for that kind of beginner climber yep. um, is necess- isn't really necessary. Yep, I you just got to keep climbing. I agree. I agree. In fact, I even tell people to climb into and through the bad season. You know, I see a lot of people, uh, kind of watch the, you know, the season that, that I'll stick to, you know, in the red for years, I stuck to this, you climb in the spring, you climb in the fall. I don't even go to the red in the summer and I'm maybe in the winter, I'll go Mm -hmm. a day or two just because it happens to be a nice day, but I don't go out there with intentions to perform generally speaking. And I see new climbers latch onto that who've you know, climbed up to 5'11", maybe, maybe 5'12", and 
and they'll they're like, oh, I'm not climbing this summer, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, why? You know, I spent you you need to be doing hundreds of five tens and elevens, yeah, you and know? do it Go in crappy conditions, yeah. Yeah, go out there and practice and and just build this giant base underneath you. I think that's really important. Well, yeah, and we all have home home crags, right? And you know, we climb in the bitter cold sometimes up at sinks and it yeah, it sucks. Um, but those are the days you you maybe go down four grades and you just do volume. Uh, it's not a red pointing day. Even if it was like well, at least with sinks, sometimes you can have like some really awesome red pointing days in the winter. Um, but maybe the weather turned on you and you just have to and I guess what I was uh, to finish the um, the whole when to come off a peak. Mm-hmm. I guess this ties in is you can make a plan and you should follow your plan. Definitely follow your plan through. Like the the worst thing we see in the gym is someone tries a uh, a strength train training plan or a climbing plan for two days, two weeks, and like yeah, oh, it didn't work. It's not gonna this, work. This cli- yeah. this you know <clears throat> this plan's bullshit. And it's like well, you didn't finish it, and you you know, and 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 maybe it is a terrible plan. But the benefit of actually following through with a plan is super important as your training progresses um, because there are going to be times where you don't want to finish it. Um, but as soon as you create that default or that habit in your own um, yep. workout patterns, it's going to creep into other parts of your workout, whether you like it or not. And people always say, no, 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 not me. Um, but the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Yep. And I remember learning that the hard way when I was uh, like early 20s. I remember my mentor 10 years old of me saying, saying that to me. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm just, I'm just making a little shortcut here. And he's like, man, if you start shortcutting one way, it's going to creep into your professional life, your workout life, your love life, whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a valuable lesson. I think the same thing goes for, for working out. Um, and I think it's even harder to, like you were just saying with sinks here, it's even tougher to know because you can kind of climb all year round mm-hmm. here and the conditions are pretty good mm-hmm. all year round. You know, even though it's a hundred degrees in town right now, you go up to wild iris early in the morning and in the shade and it's 65, 67 degrees, you know, sinks, it could be, I don't know, 10 degrees in town and it's, you know, nice and sunny up at the wall. So, yeah, I mean, we're pretty spoiled here. I mean, everyone just has seasonal projects and that's why you don't see any locals climbing up at sinks in the summer, even though it's like totally fine when it's not in the sun. Yeah. Um, People just know they have to climb there all winter. Yeah. And so it's tough to know when to quit, you know? So I like, I like the idea of, you know, hitting your peak, really paying attention to mm-hmm. what your body's telling you, and then being okay with stepping off the peak instead of fighting it. Yeah, and I guess the last thing I'll say on that or uh, is you don't have to be married to the plan. Uh, you have to have a plan first to even follow something uh, or follow through. But yeah, I mean, maybe you're just feeling super strong and you know maybe a week two week extension on what you thought would be your peak um go for it uh give it a whirl and and write it down like write how you felt write the grade you climbed people always uh forget it you know they forget so fast yeah i mean between even two days of a of a class people will forget like what weight they lifted and like charlie what weights like, i don't i don't remember i can barely remember my weights that's why i write them down yeah um but write that stuff down and, and maybe you don't even look back at it i mean you should 
but by writing it down, I think you almost even commit it to memory a little more. For sure. Um, but it's also it's a great- like cheating on tests when you were in <laughs> high school. Right. You know? That's right. If you write a cheat sheet, you don't need it. <laughs> That's right. And then uh, it is it is really good to look back at that stuff because then you can know what worked. You're like, what did I do for the last two months before this awesome peak um, so I can try to recreate it? Yep. And you can't always recreate it. But And then on the uh, the flip side of that is maybe- your calendar is too aggressive and you can feel your body shutting down. There's no reason. It's like, it's no different than um, not going to the summit. Weather rolls in, someone's got high altitude sickness or whatever, whatever your analogy you want to yep. use. Um, there's there's uh, really a ton of value in being just, I'm going to pull the plug. Um, we want athletes to kind of push themselves and push themselves through um, any discomfort or get them out of their comfort zone. But then there's just the obvious, like, if we go to the top of this summit, we're going to die. Yeah, you um, want them to be able to push themselves next yeah. week, too. You know, yeah, not, exactly. Not just today. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, <clears throat> we, and, you know, the it, the worst thing an athlete can do is get injured. Um, and, and that's what we're always trying to prevent because then they're yeah. out and they can't they can't train. They can't put money, they can't put any money in the bank. They're basically, ex- they're, they're using money to go to PT yeah. and not use it on their gym membership. Yeah. Um, and that could be, I mean, you know what that's like. It's awful. For sure. So you've switched over to training for the next sport or training for your next round of red point season or whatever. It's really easy to just keep training. You know, training's fun. A lot of people love it. It's easier to quantify than performance is in any of these sports, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can time your skiing and you can time your running and that's, that's quantifiable, but, but you know, when you're skiing well and mm-hmm. you know, when you're making tons of mistakes mm-hmm. and the time may, may not necessarily reflect that the same as with climbing, you know, you may climb a harder number, but you know, whether it was harder for you or not. Yeah. It might be your you style know? or whatever. So how do you know when to stop training and actually start trying to perform in the next mm-hmm. sport? Is that another you know, sort of pay attention to your calendar or listen to your body or is it both of those things? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, we never want to stop training, um, but we certainly want to cut the volume down and right. whatever, you know, weights we're using. Uh, we always want to maintain the strength that we have or the strength that we've built, but you don't have to do much. I mean, you you certainly don't want to do it once a month, Um you're just you're you're gonna you're you're gonna uh, have a terrible trajectory of strength if you do that. But um, you know sometimes it's you can do every four to five, maybe six days, uh, where maybe it's one uh, strength session one week, and then it's two the next week, one the next week, two two one two whatever. You you'll find out what works best for you, um, and that's why it's really important to write down those numbers because if a good example for uh, at least for climbing or and I'll give an example for weight training is uh, that we have a, a famous climb called killer. It's a 12 C everyone, yep. you know, that gets on it for the first time is like, Holy cow, this thing is super it's hard. Way harder. And than then you see someone like, yeah. you know, Steve Babbitts or Steve Bechtel get on it and you're like, that looks like a five ten. Um, but Steve knows in his training or in his climbing world, if he gets on killer and he falls on it or it feels really hard, he's lost something. Like he needs to go back to the drawing board. He's like, well, maybe I haven't climbed as much as I wanted to or should have. Um, and it's the same thing with the strength training. I mean, we all have numbers we should 
know like our bench press, deadlift, maybe our front squat, um, to just kind of have a baseline. And so like if I go into the gym and I can't pull like 315 pounds for a deadlift, I know I have not deadlifted for a really long time or I've got weak in my hamstrings or with my posterior chain and I need to get back into it. Or I've, I have not done the um, necessary maintenance to keep my strength to then build on another cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know that's super individualized, um, but that's kind of up to the athlete to make sure they know. Yeah, and I think if you have if you have those baselines and you know where you're at, especially with strength training, that's something that's going to apply to all of your sports, no matter what they are. You know, that's that deadlift is going to help you in climbing. It's going to help you in skiing. It's going to help you in running. Mm-hmm. Just having that having that general overall body strength. So if you have those numbers, that's that's a good way to be training for all of your sports. Absolutely. At once. So yeah, I mean, the stronger you are, and and Folks have probably heard this analogy. It's a Brett Jones um, quote where it's uh, the think of a big glass jar, like that's your strength. And then everything you put in the jar uh, is, you know, the running, the climbing, the swimming, maybe you're a triathlete. And the stronger that glass, the, the strength training, um, the more you can do, better. Yeah. Um, that's you know, good. if you have a really weak strength, a base that glass is smaller it's like a shot glass yeah um and maybe you're only doing one thing you can't you know it's really cool when you get to this point of being like strong for you and 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 people always talk about different numbers you know you need to know what's good for you there's a but you could just google like what's a good deadlift for my body weight you know bench press and you can look that up but if you keep maintaining the strength it's really cool when you're never far from being strong where you can get off the couch and go do a big hike up the grand or something right, or get off the right. couch and go you know climb 12a or get off the couch and you know do a sprint triathlon in your hometown and do pretty well um, and that's all we're trying to say when you're trying to maintain strength you're never far from it you never get to that point where you're starting from ground zero again yeah and it, would it be fair to say that you know one of the important things for training for multiple sports um more so than just one single sport would be to keep your athleticism up and your, you know, and I think strength is a big mm-hmm. part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, for for instance, when I was younger, I was definitely a better athlete than I am now. I've focused more on climbing than I have any other sport for a long time now. And I can tell when I go get on a skateboard that I'm a little clunkier than I used to be. For sure. Or when I try to run, I definitely can't run like I used to or yep. or whatever it is. You know, gymnastics, I definitely don't have the mobility and flexibility I once did. Mm-hmm. So I can tell that my athleticism has dropped. And that's been something I've focused on more the last three or four years is gaining some of that athleticism back. Yep. Um, so... You know, is that a fair statement to make? Absolutely. And and it's, I, I remember before I got into um, training and, and being a coach, I, I truly thought it was rocket science of, mm-hmm. of how to how to train and be strong. Yeah. And yes, it totally can get super specific in whatever sport you choose. Um, but there's only a f- literally four major movement patterns that you really need to focus on. And it's a hip hinge, it's a squat, it's a push and a pull. And that should be your focus for strength training. And that's what makes an athlete 
because they're strong and all those things and they're balanced. You know, we see it with the climbers, you know, you could strap a hundred pound kettlebell on most kettlebell climb uh, on a climber and they could pull a hundred pounds plus their body weight. Right. And you put them under a, a, a barbell on a bench press and they're like, can't even do their body weight. Right. And like yep. if someone can't do their body weight, it's an obvious sign that they're not, you know, they're not as athletic as they should be. Um, and it's the same thing. You know, you see a lot of folks that are, you know, quadzillas that love squatting. Um, and they have a really good squat, but if their squat isn't close or, or about the same as their bench press, there's an obvious imbalance and they're not as athletic as they should be. Um, and they're not an athlete really. Sure. Um, and, and I, I was there a couple or a few years ago, we had a, a great trainer. He doesn't live in town anymore, but he got me super psyched on it. And God, he got me under the bench press. And I think I was like 155 at the time, or I guess what I am now. And I think I did like 135 once. It was like the hardest thing mm-hmm. I've ever done. He's like, you are weak. Yeah. Uh, and I thought I was like a strong dude. That's you know, hard. I, that's hard to stomach. Yeah, it's super hard. I mean, you know, he couldn't, you know, I thought uh, being strong was like holding on the end of a, a door frame, which he couldn't do. But, you know, be- bench pressing is very humbling if you're not good at it. Um, For sure. And, and, and my front squat was up. Um, but yeah, my bench was way off and, and, you know, everyone knows the push, uh, like the bench press will help with injury for climbers. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's actual science behind it. Like your body has a governor. It's like kind of the best way to, to describe it. Um, where if you get so strong at the pull and you don't get good at a push, your body will eventually shut your pull strength down. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. it's literally like not being strong at a, a push which we don't really do in climbing that much anyways, um, actually does hurt your climbing. For sure. So since we're talking a ton about, you know, having a baseline, having these numbers that you can go back to um, and, and test yourself, do you have some basic numbers that that you think climbers should be looking for? Yeah, um, f- let's see. So the deadlift, I know we mentioned in the last pod- a podcast, males... And this is kind of high, but like if if anyone can do double their body weight for um, a deadlift, that is strong enough. And or that's, even that's for men. That's for men, and for women, about one and a half times. And uh, again, we're talking about being strong enough. We're not we're not talking about being the next power lifter, right? At the, you know some CrossFit games or something. Yep. And um, and then once you get to that number, that's where you should aim to maintain. Yep. You don't, yep. you should stop focusing all your energy mm-hmm. on the deadlift at that point. And even if you're a little below it, that's fine, but that's right. a, a good benchmark. Um, folks should be able to bench their body weight. Um, and, and you think that holds true for men and women? Yep. Yep. Okay. And then, uh, and, and maybe, maybe 0.75 for, for females just cause the muscle mass. Um, I'd have to ch- actually check on that. Maybe I'll, I'll get back to you on that. And okay. then, uh, front squat should equal bench. So you shouldn't have like a 200-pound front squat and a 100-pound bench press. Right, right. And, and, you know, body weight front squats. Um, But you can certainly go up way more from that for sure. You know, one and a half, 1.25 for for Mm -hmm. folks. And then pulling, because climbers love, love, love to do pull-ups. And I generally try to keep them to a minimum. Even though people are like, you know, I'll get these 
notes every day from people's training and they're like uh you know did the workout added 75 pull-ups and i'm like come on you know yep when when you tell me two days later that you're you can't do your or workout your i'm gonna screaming. be like yeah. why did you do 75 extra pull-ups yeah but do we have a rough pulling weight i don't have one okay. um i would say 90 percent of climbers um just don't even need to worry about it yeah uh, i mean they're just they're so strong. And I know there's plenty of dudes and females that can't do one or two, um, but they still have, like, if you got them on a bent-over row or right. um, did a pull lat pull-down like cable machine, they would hit the number. Right. Um, they just they just don't need to. Um, there's, you know, it's fun to, you know, if you're, yeah, if you're sure. at the Climbers Fest and you want to, you know, win the pull-up competition, there's plenty of awesome pull-up programs. Um, and it probably even, maybe not hurt your climbing, but even help your climbing. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think anyone, and we even we've even written, we've even wrote strength programs where uh, for climbers where we just don't even have a pull in there. Yeah, I, I keep them out quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the, about the only time I put them in is when there's you know some sort of it seems there's some sort of stability issue going on, and then it's generally rows, some sort of inverted row, or you know if the people are so adamant that they have to be doing pull-ups then mm-hmm. maybe we'll do some sort of you know heavy hard style pull-up where yep. they're you know we're making sure they're keeping a hollow body and yep. you know making sure they're doing it perfect and the one that we use yeah one we use is you know really specializing it so we'll do like the one arm inverted row Mm-hmm. where yep, exactly. um, they'll be down you know on their heels and it's just mimicking climbing yeah um i can't imagine a lot of people in the strength world would be wanting to do one arm uh inverted rows but we do because it makes us stronger and it yeah. uh, lock off strength yeah and when you're climbing you're doing hundreds and hundreds of rows arms, yeah. every session yeah. you know so it's no different than a skier wanting to do one leg <sighs> squats right. because that's what you're doing every time you turn right and you know i heard a I, this was a, a good point that i heard a um a flexibility expert point out once he said you know if you go into a yoga class or you know a dance class or whatever everybody sitting down is are stretching their hamstrings they mm-hmm. they go in mm-hmm. they start stretching their hamstrings this is what they do they're all ridiculously flexible their belly buttons are on the floor when they're in a straddle they're mm-hmm. you know that's what they're all doing and that's the the one thing none of them need to be doing yeah, exactly you know? well we, yeah and we we all want to do what we're good at um especially when people are watching oh yeah I love um <laughs> and, and you you go into a class and you just get smoked by a bunch of like 45 year old women um, in our, in our, yeah. in, they're super strong. That's why I don't um, go into those classes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the thing that you're not doing is what you need to do. Yeah. I mean, bottom exactly. line and, and people know that if, if you're honest with yourself, uh, you, you, you know what you need to do. Yeah. And that, and that, like we're talking about here in general, I think that helps out your athleticism that helps out your strength that helps out you being better at other sports and being able to transfer what you're learning, you know, in the, in the weight room over to those sports, Mm -hmm. you know, the more athletic you are, the easier you're going to have it when you try to pick up the next sport for the next season or whatever. Yeah. And, and the, and one of the things that people need to also do is like own what you're doing. Um, and what I mean by that, I guess a a couple different things is when you're, like take it seriously. I think some people 
think that it's lame or you get made fun of if you're like, oh, I'm not going to go out tonight because I'm trying to climb hard tomorrow. Um, those are usually the people that are climbing hard or climbing yeah. better than their peers. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and again, there's nothing wrong with uh, drinking a bunch of beers at the crag. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I see, I've saw it a lot this summer actually where you know people would come off their project and like, oh man, I almost had it. And then they slug a beer uh, and then they go try it again and they got like super close. And I'm like, I just look at them like, imagine like what you would have done if you didn't just slug a beer. Right. Um, and so again, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade and I've certainly been there. Um, but you have to be like, I'm going to have this PBR and be okay with it yeah, if it's going to sacrifice my exactly. point. Exactly. Um, and, you know, my first trip here to Lander eight years ago, I guess, um, I stayed with Chris Lindner. And at the time, he was he was definitely a good climber, and he was in the upper, you know, ranks of American climbers, but he wasn't the best climber by any means. And But what he did that really impressed me and ended up having a really great trip here, you know, he crushed a bunch of things in, in pretty quick succession was that he would he wouldn't stay up and party with mm-hmm. his friends and mm-hmm. he would get up super early to take advantage of the best temperatures you know it's the middle of july he knew that he needed to be at the crag at 6 or 7 a.m. to try and send something and that's what he did you know he would he would have a great time with his friends but when it you know 9 o'clock rolled around and it was time to start preparing for the next day. That's what he did. Yeah, did the, the and, uh, Irish goodbye. Like, yeah, where and, did he go? And that was really impressive to me. You yeah. know, I hadn't really seen that happen with any pros that I'd hung out with at that point. So yeah, and 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 I think people try to anchor themselves onto really good climbers, mm-hmm. still drinking a bunch of beer yeah. or whatever, staying up late and still climbing hard, but they don't think of the flip side like what they could be doing right if they weren't doing that um and it sounds like such a you know party pooper bummer way um but it's just the reality yeah for sure we've all we've all been there (laughs) yeah uh anything else you want to add to this being a multi-sport athlete bo jackson type of guy (laughs) man bo jackson uh yeah i i think people need to know that it's doable Mm -hmm. um Know that you are sacrificing uh, your potential in certain sports that you like to do by trying to do uh, multiple sports, but you can you can really focus your year uh, around what you like to do. I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it. Uh, you got to pick and choose which one you want to be good at, maybe for a season or maybe for even a year. Um, you know, you can be a multiple multi multi sport athlete, and maybe for a solid year, you're going to be a climber. And then for a solid sure. year, you're going to be a runner. It doesn't have to necessarily be within a calendar year or, or a year that you prescribe for yourself. Um, but you have to you have to sit down with a calendar and you got to uh, write it out. Um, because if you're just that person that kind of ebbs and flows with the season, uh, you're just it's just you're going to be mediocre at yeah. everything. And you're going to look back and think. Wow, I could have made so much like, more damn, of that. Wasted years, you know, yeah. I really planned. Um, and yeah, you should. Uh, folks should really think about challenging themselves to really, um, you know, maybe they're a, a really good runner that it happens to also be a pretty good climber. Like, just put the running aside 
and and just try to actually focus on climbing. And I think everyone will see it. See a right. difference. Yeah. If that's something you want to do, that's something that you don't do. be afraid. Yeah, I think that's exactly. what it all comes down to. Exactly. Cool. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it again. As always, yes. Yeah, like went from zero podcast to two podcasts. Yeah, you're like, like you're a pro weeks. now. <laughs> oh, you're gonna take Steve's place <laughs> as. As the, uh, I, I told Steve I'm, gun, I'm gunning for a spot. No, uh, I, it's funny. I did. I, I, uh, if I, hopefully my sister hears this at some point, but I, I told her I was on a podcast recently, like last week and she's like, Oh no way. What podcast? I'm like, Oh, I, you probably never heard of it. It's like this NPR, you know, this American life. And she's like, what, <laughs> what? Like you, you, had, you didn't tell me that. And I was like, no, like, of course I wasn't on NPR. Um, but this is like, the, you know, this is this American life of climbing. Are you podcast, trying to say so. we're not as good as, <laughs> Hey, NPR? no, it is the, this American life of climbing podcast. But, uh, yeah, no, it's always a pleasure, and thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Charlie. I appreciate it. Right, thanks, Chris. So there you have it, folks. The no-nonsense approach to being a multi-sport athlete uh, from Charlie Manganello. And, you know, like I said before, I really like Charlie's you know, real-world, common-sense approach to this thing. He's not, he's not feeding you some kind of clickbait that says, you can do everything at once and you can be amazing. You know, he takes this real-world approach to it. You need to prioritize, and and you need to understand that sometimes you're going to be sacrificing performance in another area of your life. And that's okay. We're humans. That's how it works. So big thanks to Charlie for sitting down with me again, and uh, hopefully we can do this again in the future. You know, once I'm settled in Lander, I hope to sit down with Charlie and Steve and you know the guys around there more often and uh, keep bringing these things to you how I have been. So, uh, like I mentioned in the intro, go to iTunes, rate us, review us, and I'll be putting more of these things out uh, for more episodes in the next two months if I get a handful more reviews and ratings, and I would appreciate that. Also, if you want to become a patron, which helps us greatly, helps us keep this thing sponsor and commercial free, we're starting to develop our live podcast ideas, and... Um, you know, you can do that by going onto our website, powercompanyclimbing.com, and clicking on the podcast tab, or you can visit our page at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast. And uh, I will be headed to the new here shortly. I'll be headed to the south after that. We've got some workshops going on in the south that I'll be announcing soon. And then I'm headed over to Waco, where I've got some workshops going on around Texas and New Mexico. And maybe I'll see you guys at the Waco Rock Rodeo. Uh, But you're going to hear a lot from me between now and then, assuming you go to iTunes and rate us and review us. And uh, temps are getting good here in the red right now, so I'm going to head out and try to send some things. Uh, Catches on the Instagrams, on the Facebooks, and uh, as you know, no Twitters. We don't tweet. We scream like eagles. Best time, 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 best time,